Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Um, Today, it's just me and Dale in the studio. Jane's off on a holiday sort of overseas. She's down in Tasmania, so she's not here in the studio, and she won't be presenting her press release. I know. I miss her press release, even though though it hasn't happened yet. Um, Yeah, there'll be no press release today, but do not despair, because we're in the middle of a federal election, and various policy people are jumping up and down telling politicians what they should be doing. And various politicians are responding or otherwise. It's a quite fascinating um, little juncture when it comes to education and policy funding here in Australia at the moment. Um, we have later in the program one particular aspiring politician who has views on the education system, which um, Dale will be sharing with you, which, I mean, I'd say they're shocking and surprising, except they're not. Um, but we'll come to that in the future, come, come to that in a little bit. Um, but today I'll be talking about a, a particular fellow called Mr Goss. Mr. Peter Goss, who um, is part of a think tank, and he's come out with a very interesting paper um, on education funding moving into the future. Now, uh, Peter Goss, like many um, educational professionals, um, fails to tackle the, the major issue in Australian education, which is we have a strange, hybrid, bastard education system that involves the federal government funding equally three education systems, a Catholic education system, which is strange for a country that's supposed to be secular. The, the government pays for the Catholic Church to educate children in the tenets of that particular faith, um, and reading and writing and maths as well. Um, there's a state education system, which is open to all, um, offensive to none. And we have a third education system called the independent education system, which is functionally and strangely a mishmash of every other religion that's not Catholic. So we have a Catholic education system and we have an education system for every other religion that's not Catholic so that they can run the schools. Um, Now this is Australia's version of religious freedom, which is to say that if the government gives money to one particular religion, then it has to give money to all the religions, otherwise it wouldn't be fair. The dog's position has always been very simple since the 1960s, hasn't ever changed. Um, If you want to be fair to religion, you don't give any of them any money. You don't set up any religious institution to set up an education system um, that is paid for by the government, um, that is uh, sacred in nature, that, 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 has, that has religious tenets attached to it. You just don't deal with any of them, and you have a separation between religion and the state. Um, now, Peter Goss, in talking about funding of Australian schools in the future, hasn't dealt with this issue. Um, this is what we consider to be fundamental. But on top of that, he starts saying some very interesting things. 
One of the things he's saying, this is Peter Goss. Uh, Peter Goss, by the way, is an interesting fellow. He's the School Education Programs Director at the Grattan Institute, which is one of those think tanks. Um, he suggests that we should cut funding to Catholic schools. And he says we should raise teaching ATARs. Now, ATAR is the score you get um, at the end of VCE, or HSC, depending on the state you're in and the state in which you're listening to this. Um, it, if it's a high score, that means you've worked really hard and you're really smart um, and all that sort of stuff. So everyone wants a good high score. He says you should raise teaching ATARs. That is the score that it takes to get into a teaching degree. Um, now, these two things he thinks will improve the education system. Firstly, to get a... Um, a higher intake of students with a higher ATARs from VCE. That is, I won't say smarter kids because a higher ATAR and smart, they're, they're two different things. But he also says that we should cut um, private school funds and cut Catholic school funds, which I think is fascinating. Um, and just to use his words, um, as paraphrased by Palivi um, Singal in the um, Channel 9 run paper, the Sydney Morning Herald, when she wrote um, on April the 16th, 2019, she said, Maine's changes to funding, including the abolition of 1.2 billion funds to Catholic and independent schools, and introducing strong consequences for universities that don't raise ATAR requirements for teaching degrees, are part of new recommendations for the next Commonwealth Government from the Grattan Institute. So, take money off the Catholic and the independent school systems and make teachers, um, make teachers have higher ATARs. Now, the Grattan Institute is an independent think tank and is dedicated to public policy. Now, we've often talked about the Grattan Institute and their policies in education have moved dramatically closer to the dog's policies over the last three or four years. Um, he's also backed, by the way, the implementation of a model that takes parental income into account when calculating needs-based funding in a wide-ranging list of educational recommendations released um, just last week. Now, he said the Grattan School Education... And in, he said in his analysis, um, comparing countries' total per funding per student as a percentage of gross domestic product per capita, he says this debunks the notion that Australia is spending more than other simulations in education, which by implication means that Australia is spending less on the education of its children than other equivalent wealthy nations. It shows that total spend per student is lower than the comparative countries and shows that we need to take strategic direction to increase funding and tilting it strongly towards disadvantaged schools. Now in Australia, disadvantaged schools, that, that phrase is a code. Disadvantaged schools means, and it's, it's a horrible thing for me to say this, but disadvantaged schools in the code of the Grattan Institute means state schools. Because in Australia, state schools are considered to be the ones that educate the disadvantaged, principally because neither the Catholic sector nor the independent sector will allow disadvantaged students in their school gates. Catholic schools um, say that they do, say that they are poor and that they educate poor people, but they don't. Um, the, the, the statistics just show that that's not true. Now, Dr Goss says um, far more Catholic and independent schools are fully funded according to the needs-based Gonski model in comparison to government schools, he says, many of which are still not receiving their total recommended funding, despite international test results revealing major equity issues in the Australian education system. He says, Australia's advantaged students do reasonably well, but our disadvantaged students are a long way behind those in places like Canada or Japan or Korea. And segregation among schools continues to grow, notes the Grattan report. I'll be coming to this fact later in a report written by Chris Bonner later in the program, but 
It's just a fact that we are now in Australia segregating our children based upon income. We are doing this at an accelerating rate. We are becoming not the country of the fair go, but we are a country of the user pays when it comes to education. Now, the report recommended, this is the Grattan report, recommended a number of funding changes to address equity, including abolishing $1.2 billion choice and affordability fund for the Catholic and independent schools, which the federal government said was designed to help them keep their fees low. (laughs) Sorry, I shouldn't laugh there. Um, Yes, there is a $1.2 billion choice and affordability fund, which is designed for independent Catholic schools to keep their fees low. Um, If you've ever paid for a private education in Australia, you'll know that the fees never, ever go down. It also highlights the need to implement the National Schools Resourcing Board's model for assessing parents' capacity to contribute, which has been accepted in principle by both major parties, and including mechanisms to monitor how education systems allocate funding. Now, the Grattan Institute has also recommended changes to teaching practices and degrees to help lift students' failing performances in international assessments. Now, Dr Goss says we shouldn't panic, but we should try to improve the effectiveness of teaching throughout the whole of the student's journey. He said that while many reforms at the school level are the remit of state and territory governments, the federal government plays an important role in improving initial teacher education through its funding of universities. He says it's not clear the consequences are sufficient for universities that don't lift their game, both in terms of who they admit and how they run their teaching degrees, their student placements and other such elements. He says we support raising of ATARs for teaching degrees to 80 because that sends a signal to high-achieving young people that teaching is valued. Consequences for universities that fail could be a loss of accreditation, limiting number of courses, controlling courses and such like. Grattan has also recommended a number of changes to higher education policy, including restoring the demand-driven system offsetting the costs of this by reducing HELP repayment thresholds and ending the deceased estate write-off on HELP debt. What he's saying is that he's saying, um, because I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to interpret this for you, poor listeners, because he's in Grattan, he's Grattan, um, think tank speak at the moment. But Dr. Goss is saying that functionally, if you make it harder to get into an education course, in terms of your ATAR result, then that means that it's more valuable in the in the education marketplace. I would suggest that Dr. Goss has got a very small part of the answer right. Um, if you want to value a teacher in a workplace, if you want to value a teacher in a school, if you want to value a teacher that is working with children in front of them five days a week, sometimes six, sometimes seven, and after school, if you want to value that teacher, there's a couple of ways that we as a civilization value people. In fact, there's two ways. There's two ways you value anything in a society. One is to give them time, and the other one is to give them money. We invented money. It's a transactional thing we have here in a capitalist society. So if you want to value teachers, how about you pay them more? If you pay them more, you'll have more people wanting to sign up at universities and more people of a higher calibre wanting to sign up to universities because they know that a teacher is valued because a teacher is well paid. Very simple. Now, the other thing, of course, is time. Because the one thing that teachers at the workplace at the moment, in, in the workplace at the moment, do not have is time. 
they ha- have incredibly crowded loads. They are sometimes teaching outside the subject areas because schools have to make budget cuts, which means you've got a teacher who's qualified in perhaps music, teaching history, or a teacher who's qualified in history, teaching music. You've got a maths teacher who's, who's, who's teaching social sciences at lower levels. These things are happening all over the country, and they'll continue to happen all over the country until someone does something. Also, marking time. Do teachers get time to assess their students properly? Seeing as though assessment is the whole thing that seems to be going through education at the moment is the most important thing in the world. As I've often said, there is a modern mania, and the the truth is that if something is worth doing, it's worth assessing well. How well it's done is irrelevant. It's just how well it's assessed that matters. So are teachers given time for this? No, no. There's no time given. So I suggest that if you make the life of a teacher at the coalface, the life of a teacher in front of their students more pleasant by giving the time they need to educate their children properly through the day and reduce their workloads and pay them more, I don't, th- I don't think the ATAR school is going to give a damn. I don't think the ATAR school is going to make any difference because people will wish to be teachers because they will be able to see it as a vocation rather than just a job which, of course, is what makes the best teachers. The best teachers are the ones that see it as a vocation. I would add, just as a personal point of view, I think primary teachers should have at least a minimum of six years training, should be paid more than secondary teachers because they are, in fact, the backbone of the education system. Because a child who ends up at a high school in year seven who can't read and write is well, very well behind the eight ball if you have good quality primary school teachings who, teachers who are valued by all of society for the care and attention and skills that they have, then the rest of your education system just falls into place as far as I'm concerned. But that's a personal point of view. I'm stepping well beyond what, what well beyond what Mr. Goss said. I'm becoming to the details of what Mr. Goss said because a lot of what he says is quite interesting. But I think I'll do that after a little bit of music.
Welcome back to the Dogs Program. Um, that was a little piece of music by Maddie Pryor and Tim Hart, going away back there into the 80s, but I thought you might like it. It's called The False Night on the Road. Such a beautiful voice, Maddie Pryor. Um, one for one for the ages, I reckon. We'll be playing some more of her later in the program. Um, I was talking about this bloke called Peter Goss from the Grattan Institute. Now, Peter Goss has decided that he's going to weigh in before the election to tell everyone how, what we need to do to fix the education system, and he's got some good ideas. Now, his first idea, as I've said before, is to make teachers smarter by giving them higher ATARs and all that sort of stuff. And I think there's, there's limits to how much an ATAR entrance score is going to improve teaching. But he also says we should get, give less money to the private school sector and then transfer that money into the state school sector. Well, he's got a point. Um, the answer is yes. But in Australia today, I think it's come to the point where it's got so bad that someone, somewhere, and it won't be Peter Goss, it'll be me here right now saying, we should not give any money to the private education system from the government coffers. If a parent wants to separate their child off from students in the state education system, then they should have the absolute and inalienable right to do so. If you have particular or peculiar religious tenets and you don't want your child contaminated by putting them with other children from around Australia in the same school and you feel so strongly about that, then you, as a matter of religious or, or just, just conscience, should be able to take your child out of that school and educate your child separately, perhaps with other children who share, who share your faith or from families who share your faith or from families who share your ideas about education. You might, for some reason, decide that the state education system is not just inadequate, but, but fundamentally wrong, and you don't want your child to be educated with other children at all in a state school. Now, if that is your view, I think you have a right to have it, and I think you should take your child and you should educate them in the way you see fit. However, I should not have to pay for that, and neither should anyone apart from you yourselves and anyone else that you can convince to help pay for that particular situation. But the taxpayers of Australia should not. It's just quite simple. Now, this is a rule all around the world. In Australia, it's something different because Australia, the taxpayer, pays for your choice to do that. And I just don't think that's fair because what happens is all the children that are left behind... <laughs> in the state school, um, lose out. Not because you're so brilliant, but because this is now happening at such a rate in Australia that we have an education system that is falling apart. We have an education system where inequality and inequity together are just taken for granted as a truth. Of course students who go to wealthy schools that are funded by the government and are topped up by the contributions of the parents, of course those students will get a good start in life. That's the whole point. And the devil take the hindmost. Now Peter Goss, let's go back to him, does not address this. He says, and, and he's dealing here with the art of the possible, he says, we've got to get school funding right. And then he says, we'll move on. We should have what this thing called needs-based funding that everyone's been going on for years where among those many improvements committed to the increase in the Commonwealth Fund in the government schools from an average of 17% of their needs to 20% by 23, which is to say he says that the federal government should contribute more to schools who have a greater need. 
Now, what the need is, is well, it's never worked. But he's saying that basically we should give more money to, to, to um, we should give more money to state schools, and we should give less money to private schools, and that will make things a bit better. Well, I can't disagree that's true, but I can't agree that that solves the problem. But he has more to say than just that. He says we need to create a national evidence institute. He's interested, Goss, and quite rightly, not just in about the money that goes in and the money that goes out, but what happens in the classroom. He said education researchers have spent decades building evidence around the most effective and indeed cost-effective ways to teach. Yet, there are still major evidence gaps around the impact of policies, programs and education practices in Australian schools and early childhood education as well, and care services, and the most effective ways to turn best practice into common practice. Now, he says that what we need to do is we need to get together the evidence about how to do this properly created as a national database and have everyone be able to look at it and think about it and then put it into practice because what works in Australia is always the question. Like, there's educational evidence about how to do things all around the world, but we here in Australia have a particular culture. So if you implemented the educational culture of Shanghai, China, which is a very successful education system in Australia, it would not work. Um, so there are cultural things. We need to develop a database such that we know what works in Australian schools and we can draw upon it. And it's not one size fits all. It's what works in this situation that might be useful for me. And so the teachers and educational practitioners and principals and education assistants can draw upon it. This is a good idea. Why not? If we don't have one, why don't we? Um, and his other idea, which I've hinted at already, is that he says that teachers should have a greater value in society. And the way you do this is you raise the ATAR scores so that they have to get into university by having a better mark for their VCE. Well, I've already addressed that. So he's got a threefold approach, which I think is fascinating, which is improve teaching, improve teaching practice, and give more money to disadvantaged schools. Um, none of this is revolutionary these days, but it used to be 10 years ago. Ten years ago, you couldn't possibly say things like, I'll take the money away from private schools, because everyone would have jumped up and down and said, that's the politics of embry. Mm. And in fact, I'm going I'm to say this right now. Every time I hear someone say, the politics of envy, <laughs> I'm just going to say, oh, you've just lost the argument. Because if you have to fall back on that trope, which is no longer relevant, because Australia's education system is now such a mess, it's now so inequitable, it's now so unfair, that someone says, oh, no, we can't change it, because if you want to change it, that's just the politics of envy. Um, you've just lost the argument, because we have to move on from that. We'll be returning uh, to the DOGS program after this. Join Self for Justice Launch and Pedal Out from 10am on Saturday, 4th of May, on St Kilda Beach, Bunurong Country. Manus, here we come. Bring your own flotation devices to pedal out or join a day sail from St. Kilda to Sandringham. 11 a.m. Original Nations Passport Ceremony. 12 p.m. Barbecue and Yarn. 1 p.m. Music. 2 p.m. Lunch and Pedal Out. 3 to 4 p.m. More music. This event takes place on the stolen territory of Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty never ceded. 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday, 4th of May, on St. Kilda Beach. For more information, go to sailforjustice.org. Sail number 4, justice.org. Sail for Justice is a Tricia supporter. Tell the world that we love her. 
My name is Ian Ham, and I'm the chair of the Healing Foundation's Stolen Generations Reference Group. At three weeks of age, I was separated from my birth family. And even though they lived just 50 kilometres away, I never knew they existed. I never met my mum, and it pains me to this day. There are thousands of Aboriginal people just like me, and our stories have never been heard. These stories form the basis of Australia's first Stolen Generations resource kit for schools. To download the kit, go to healingfoundation.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Uh, welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and podcast on the WWWs. And um, it's available at our website, www.adogs.info. A couple of important announcements there. Was it, um, yeah, go for a paddle on the bay. Yeah, well, not all the way to Manus, but it's in aid of that. A very worthy cause. And also, something interesting, we publicised it here, I think if you're in- interested in school education, the Stolen Generations School Resource Pack. Uh, well worth getting 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 hold of if you're involved in education because that's an important part of our history that's very much underreported. But back to questions of education. Now there's an election on and various politicians jump up and down and talk about education. One politician um, before they were running for office, and it's 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 a feature these days. You've got to be so careful what you put on Facebook. You have to be so careful with your online behaviour because if you want to run for parliament, someone's going to go trawling over your whole Facebook feed and find out some stuff, and it's all rather interesting. One, one um, conservative politician here in Victoria has been caught out um, by saying, quite simply, in, in, their, in their point of view, state schools are rubbish. This is a politician running for office who does not think state schools are worth 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 anything, really. Um, to hear them in their own words, I think I'll throw you over to Dale. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, thanks, Rob. I've got an article here by Latika Burke. It was in The Age. And uh, it's entitled, Private Schools are Far Superior, Liberal Candidate Claims. The Liberal Party candidate under fire for referring to Chloe Shorten as a pig once declared private schools were far superior to state schools. Kate Ashmore, the candidate for the Melbourne seat of McNamara, refused to comment further on her remarks in which she said teachers in the private system were better than the vast majority of those in the public system. In a letter uh, in a letter published in The Leader in 2001 under her maiden name, Cash Kate Ashburner, Miss Ashmore wrote of her support for the policy of t- using taxpayer funds to subsidise private schools and talked down her experience in the state school system. As a former private school student who also attended public schools, I support the federal government's continued subsidisation of private schools, she wrote. It was on, I was only able to attend a private school via a heavy subsidy due to the income restraints of my parents, and I firmly believe that I would never have achieved the high VCE score I did if it hadn't been for my private school education. The facilities, teaching staff and pastoral care offered by private schools make them far superior to the vast majority of government schools, she concluded. Ms Ashmore studied at Caulfield Grammar under a scholarship. She refused to provide details of what state schools she attended or what her VCE score was. Asked if she still believed 
private schools were far superior to public schools, the Victorian Liberal Party said Ms Ashmore would not be making any further comments. Her comments come two days after the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age revealed Ms Ashmore referred to Bill Shorten's wife as a pig on social media, something for which she has now apologised. Before the election was called, she questioned Josh Burns, the Labor candidate for McNamara, about whether he was as proud of being Jewish as she was. McNamara replaces Melbourne Ports, which was previously held by Labor MP Michael Danby. Josh Burns stands to hold the seat for Labor, according to the ABC's election analyst Anthony Green, but only by a tiny margin of 1.2%. Wow. Uh, yeah, um, that's a federal politician speaking. Now, as a parent, I mean, you can hear people saying things, oh, look, I'm really glad that I sent my child to a private school because it was so much better than the state school down the road. I would have sent my child to the state school. I wouldn't have sent my dog there. Now, from a parent's point of view, I hear this all the time. Now, for a parent, who, and I often say, so you are happy to accept that there's a state school in your area which is doing such a poor job that you wouldn't send your dog there. You're happy to live in a country where that is true. You're happy to live in a suburb where that is true. And they go, well, it's, it's not my fault. It's not my problem. It's just the way it is. And, you know, and parents often often say, well, that's just the way it is. You, ha- you, have, to, you have to play the hand you dealt, they'll often say. Um, you can say that if you like, but, I, I, but I'm, I'm sacrificing, they'll say. I'm sacrificing to put my child through private school and other parents don't sacrifice the way I sacrifice and you should be nice to me because I'm taking the child away from the state system and therefore you don't have to pay. <laughs> yeah, none of that's true. Um, but that's what they'll say. But this isn't a parent. This is someone who's aspiring to run the country. This is a politician. This is someone who wants a seat in federal parliament as saying that state schools aren't as good as private schools and that's just the way it is. And so we should continue to fund private schools so this remains true. She's not saying private schools offer a better education than state schools and that it's an inequitable situation so therefore we should work towards making sure every child in Australia, no matter what their income of their parents is, has an equal opportunity at a gold standard education. No, she's not saying that. She's saying, oh, it's just the way it is. And some strange reasons she's going around saying that I'm more Jewish than someone else that's Jewish. Um, I don't even understand. I, I can't deal with that. Um, that's, that's, that's beyond the remit of the dogs program. I think it's beyond the remit of anyone. Um, to even comment upon that, and I'm sorry that I even brought it up. Um, and the age should be ashamed of themselves too, I suppose. It's just weird. Well, she brought it up, really. Didn't she, though? Mm. Isn't that strange? Yeah, but uh, that's a Liberal candidate. So. Yeah, that, no, that is, that, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's some lovely Liberal candidates out there, but I'm pretty sure by what we've seen from her so far, she's not one of them. Mm. So if you're in Melbourne Ports and you're a voter, that's important electoral information if you're a supporter of state schools. Liberal Party um, in your particular electorate is not represented by someone who supports state schools. Mm. That's it. So she loses all those votes. I don't vote in that electorate, but if you do, I'm sure you'll let your feelings be known at the ballot box. Mm. Um, we'll be back with more of the dogs. I've got some interesting um, research done by Chris Bonner, which I'd like to share with the listeners. Share with you all, because you've got the listeners. Um, after a little bit more Maddie Pryor. Fly up my cock you're my well-fathered cock, but don't cry till the break of day, and your red 
My cocky flew up and my cocky flew down, but he crawled on all too soon. This young man arose and he hurried on his clothes, but it was Seven moons, said he, shining over the lea, and the sky to yield up no more rain, for now I do see all the contrary way, a man's forced to live a single had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm a proud product of a government funded primary school education and of a government funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Welcome back to The Dogs Program here on 3CR, 855 and AM dial and podcast with the WWWs. That was Matty Pryor from the album Summer Solstice. Track nine called Fly Up My Cock. Um, and when I say fly up my cock, I'm talking about a rooster there. So don't worry about, um, don't, don't worry about that. It's about uh, a young woman who's upset that her young man's just wandered off for a, for a bit. Um, Matty Pryor does a lot of singing about being upset about young men wandering off. I, I, but I happen to know, because I don't know her personally, but I know her about her history. Um, she had enough young men hanging around, uh, to sort of make up for it. So that was, so that was all right. Well done, Matty. Beautiful voice, though. I thought I'd share that with you. Um, well, so for something beautiful to something disturbing, um, something that's been written by Chris Bonner, um, just earlier this year in 2019, in a paper called Separating Scholars. Now, this concept of separating out children um, used to be anathema. I mean, it's a few days now after Anzac Day. We talk about the fair go and looking after your mates and all that sort of stuff. But in our education system, that's the exact opposite of what we're doing. We're looking after our mates. We're not looking after anyone else's, quite frankly. People down the road, we don't care about. People in a different postcode, we certainly don't care about. Because what's happening in Australia is that we are separating out our children. We are separating out our children, not just on their religion. So only children of certain religion can hang out with children of the same religion, not not, not different ones as we do by funding the funding a religious private sector. But we're separating them out on something much much more insidious. We're separating children out on how much money, based upon how much money their parents earn. Now, education in Australia is not static. 
It's not the way it was 10 years ago. It's not the way it was 20 years ago. It's not the way it was 30 years ago. It's not the way it was 40 years ago. Things have changed. Things are changing. So for those people who've been involved in the education system over the years, you will know it changes. And many people always think about school instinctively as what it was when they went to school. So grown-ups will go, oh, yeah, I know about the education system. I went through the education system. It's like this. Well, if you've been to school and you haven't been back for a couple of decades, I'll tell you, it's vastly different. And it's not just, you know, all the teachers look younger these days. No, the whole system and what's going on across Australia is changing, and it's changing in an accelerating way, and it's changing in an accelerating way for not for the better. Now, Chris Bond has written a discussion paper about how schools are changing over time, especially in terms of enrolment characteristics and the school achievement measures and results most familiar to most people here in Australia, that's parents and teachers. The analysis he's done uses ends of school measures of student achievement and focuses on New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland to show the relationship between school achievement and other school characteristics, including level of student advantage and indeed where they are, their postcode. Increasingly in Australia, he's concluded, we see high achievers concentrated in the most advantaged schools, while those in lower socioeconomic status schools are facing falling achievement levels. Well, it's not that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. The rich are getting better educated and the poor are getting worse educated. Now, the findings are replicated in different ways across each of the three states. In New South Wales in 2017, the proportion of high school certificate distinguished achievers in the highest level of advantage, that is, the richest families, was 19%, whereas the lowest Ixia school, um, that, that is proportion, was 1%. So if you go to a school with a very high um, Ixia value, then the chances are 19% of the students in that school will get a very high and excellent um, end-of-school result, whereas if you go to a poorer school, the chances are it'll be 1%. In Victoria, this pattern is repeated. The proportion of students with a VCE score of 40 or over is 24% for the schools in very rich postcodes, but only 2.2% in poorer postcodes. In Queensland, 85% of the highest achievers come from schools um, with an Ixia value above 1,000 and 15% from the schools below. Now, that's that's also... It's not quite as bad, but it's still pretty shocking. 85%, okay, 85% in Queensland of high achievers come from... Richer postcodes, and only 15% come from poorer postcodes. Now, this is Australia we're talking about. We're talking about Mexico. We're not talking about a third world country. We're talking about here, where we live. But he goes on. Even more significantly, such gaps have been widening over the last 10 years. In New South Wales, the schools in the highest Ixia band have marked increased in numbers of proportion since 2005-06. This has been accompanied by a change in the distribution of enrolments to these schools, so that increasingly the most advantaged school students are going to the most advantaged schools. So not only are the results getting worse, but what's happening is that uh, the rich kids from rich families are going into gated schools gated communities. In all three states, 
Schools in the higher 60-year band have increased proportion of students from the highest socioeconomic vantage quarter. And that's also in Queensland, which is up 6%. In Victoria, it's up 8%. And in New South Wales, this movement over the last 10 years is up 13%. And all are seeing a concentration of high or rich students moving into the most advantaged schools. At the same time, the reverse is true. The lowest six-year scores in Queensland, plus 10%, Victoria plus 3%, and New South Wales plus 9%, are each seeing an increase in the number of students from the lowest quartile. These factors are creating a system that concentrates advantage and also concentrates disadvantage in different types of schools with the obvious flow-on effects of achievement levels for those students. There is also a stark difference between cities and regional areas with the proportion of major cities in New South Wales um, at 23%, but only 2.3% in, in inner regional areas and just 0.3% in outer, in, in outer regional areas. The data suggests that the achievement outcomes are becoming increasingly connected to the level of advantage of a school a student attends. So that some of the differences in achievement among schools may simply reflect who is enrolled and how this enrolment is changing, rather than the quality of teaching. So what he's saying here is that there is a flight of wealthy parents sending their children to particular schools. Now, I've often said this here, and, and this is data to back up what I've been saying. When you hear about a good school, a good private school, or even indeed a good state school, is a flight, a demand that aspirational parents be allowed to enrol their child. Last week I was talking about the fraudulent way parents were forcing their way into, into good state schools by lying. But the disturbing thing for me is that the opposite is true. It's happening at the other end. Disadvantage is becoming more and more concentrated. Now, these enrolment trends mean that students who are already advantaged are concentrating in high achievement schools, while disadvantaged are being segregated into struggling schools. So the burden of lifting up the most disadvantages is not actually being spread across the schools. It's not being spread across the sectors. It's not being spread across postcodes. The duty of we as a country is now being we're putting them into poor people camps. <laughs> Concentration camps, we just happen to be calling a school and we happen to, happen to populate it with teachers who are doing the best that they can because what Chris Bond is saying is the quality of teaching isn't changing. It's just that the children are being separated out. Now, this is streaming, but it's not streaming in a school. It's streaming in a culture. We are separating out the children, not just into black and white, but into rich and poor, and this has consequences. This has consequences for Australia. In fact, I think it's quite shocking that we accept this as true, because not only is it true, but it's getting worse. Not only it's true, it's a trend. It's getting worse over the last ten years, and that, to me, is something that's shocking. And that's something I think the politicians should be addressing. That is a national scandal. These days, we're having raw commissions into everything. Anything that's too hard, raw commission. Chuck it over there. Um, this is just. This doesn't need a royal commission. This this just needs a. This needs a revolution. This needs people who are trying to work up and say, I am not willing to accept that the school down the road 
is being treated like some concentration camp for poor people while I am forced to send my child to a private school. Well, you should be demanding money from the government, saying, no, no, I should be able to send my child to the local state school because that's where they're going to get the best education. If that's not true, that's your problem, Mr. or Ms. or Mrs. Politician. Um, and that, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the most shocking things I've read out in many months, what Chris Bonner's saying there. Not only that it is true, but it's getting worse. But I'm going to talk about one of the most disadvantaged schools in Victoria um, after the break because it is, in fact, one of our great state schools. We Need to Pay the Rent is a fundraiser for warriors of the Aboriginal resistance featuring the Pretty Littles, Worst Nurse, Ute Root, No Sister, Face Face and a heap more. Come join us on Kulin Nation land to give back. It's well overdue. We need to pay the rent. Saturday, May the 18th at the Tote from 4pm. Tickets $20. Available from the Tote website, thetotehotel.com. Free or discounted tickets for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Contact organisers online to arrange. A 3CR supporter. Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State schools. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM Dial and podcast on the WWW. Today I'm going to talk about something really special, something that only the state school system does, something that the Catholic school system wouldn't, wouldn't dream of doing because it's too nice, <laughs> something the independent school system wouldn't touch because there's no money in it. I'm going to talk to you about one of the great state schools of Australia, certainly in Victoria but definitely Australia. It's in Swan Hill. Now, Swan Hill's a country town up on the Murray, suffering the drought like everyone else at the moment. But in Swan Hill, there is a thing called a specialist school. The Swan Hill Specialist School is our great state school of the week. Now, who turns up to the Swan Hill Specialist School? Well, there are 110 kids. Because this school specialises in students who have severe intellectual disabilities and associated disabilities and for students with autism spectrum behaviours. It operates early year units from students aged 5 to 9. It's got a middle year unit for aged students 10 to 15 and a senior unit for students 16 to 18 years old. So it's educating kids from prep all the way to year 12, 110 of them. Every single child there has a mild to severe intellectual disability or indeed as a student with autism spectrum disorders and also the associated disabilities, high needs kids. My tax is going to pay for this quite right too. Now the class sizes reflect the learning needs of the students and provide students with the opportunity to access all the learning areas in accordance with VCAL and VELS. And the curriculum is constantly reviewed to ensure it meets the needs of the students and what the community expects of the school itself. 
So it's outward focusing as well as focusing on the students themselves. In this school of 110 kids, there's about 25 teachers, one principal. Well, when I say teachers, there's full-time staff. There's 11 teachers, 11 edu- or 12 educational support staff and one principal. The parent satisfaction with the school, last time they checked, was 6.65 on a scale of 1 to 7. 7 being the best possible score in terms of satisfaction. The teacher's morale at the school was rated on 77 on a scale of 1 to 100, with 100 being the best. All Victorian government school teachers in this school meet the registration requirements of the VIT. They're proper teachers. It's a proper school. And it's in Swan Hill, seven hours from where I'm sitting right here in Melbourne. This is deep in the regions. Now, I'll tell you that the kids that go there aren't all from Swan Hill. No, they're coming in from the country. They're coming in from the Mallee. They're coming down from Mildura. They're coming up from Albury. They're taking the parents and the school working together to create the best educational opportunities. And when I say parents and the school, the ICSIA value, that is the, the indication of social disadvantage, and I always say disadvantage, um, for this school is 877. It's one of the poorest schools in the state. 70% of the kids going to this school come from families from the poorest families from the poorest quartile of, of, of Victoria. 22% come from the second lowest. 1%, which is a child, <laughs> comes from anything like a wealthy family. In the, This is in the entire school. How much does it cost? Do you know what? If they're doing it for under 60 grand, a kid, I'll be surprised. I'm just going to check right now. Oh, they're doing it for 40 grand. 40 grand a child per year. Uh, I'm happy for that happy for that money to be spent on those kids because this is not a Catholic school. There's no money in it for them. This is not an independent school. No way. This is the sort of thing that can only be done by we, the people. This is the sort of thing done, only done by those people who are the taxpayers of this country and say, yes, we live in a civilised country. We live in a civilised nation. And even in Swan Hill, which is definitely regional Victoria, these students go to this amazing school up there in Swan Hill, that is well-resourced, well-staffed, loved by the community and loved by the students who go to it from prep to year 12, an extraordinary place. So I have to say right now, Swan Hill Specialist School, you are our great state school of the week. Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the DOGS program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary State schools are great. Harkaway Primary School. Sunshine North Primary School. They're really concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. Like you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words that he's actually... So so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? 
Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses. Refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a Positive great deal. relationships with each other, with teachers and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast and so there's, there's food on. If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 9419 State schools are great schools. Great state schools. Welcome back. That's a bit more Maddie Pryor. Having a Maddie Pryor day today. That was three drunken maidens from the Isle of Wight. They had a nice time, both day and night. Um, yeah, that was Maddie Pryor again. I um, mean, from the album Summer Solstice with Maddie Pryor and Tim Hart there on on guitar as he was playing away. Um, you've been listening to the Dogs Program. We've had great state schools from Swan Hill. We've had troubling reports, and of course, we've had strange conservative politicians jumping up and down about the values of private schools. Another dogs program put to bed. Look, we have to come back next week um, because we haven't solved the problem. There's still ridiculous amounts of inequity in education. We need to keep fighting. Um, look, if the problem's solved in the week, we probably won't be back, but I kind of doubt that's going to happen. So next Saturday we'll be here as well, myself and Dale. Um, Jean will still be on holiday by then. 
But if you want to contact us, you can at our website, www.adogs.info, www.adogs.info. And if you have an idea of a great state school that you're proud of or you know about or you think needs more highlighting and, 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 a, and, a, and a bit of, yay, <laughs> um, then give us a call here at 3CR and office hours, of course. That's 94198377. That's 94198377. Um, or indeed you can just go, go onto their website at 3cr.org.au, 3cr.org.au. But look, seriously, until next week when we have to come back to highlight the problems in the education system in Australia and also the joys of teaching when it comes to our great state schools, it's from here at 3CR and the DOCS program. Bye for now. i <laughs>